0: This is TW. I'm actually filling in uh, for the guys today just because we, straight up, we forgot to record um, an intro. Uh, but today's guest, I, we always say this, but we are so honored. Uh, we have the, you could say he's a, he's a front runner for the Mount Rushmore's, uh, won the MVP of the 1976 ACC tournament, Uh was the leading scorer on that team, uh, a trailblazer of sorts, 21.7 rebounds a game through that, that tournament, and um, went on to be the fifth pick in the, in the NBA draft, was the first player to actually um, play in the NBA from Virginia. That's Wally Walker. Um, prior to that, Park Hill and uh, Gus Gerrard, or were drafted in the NBA, but did not play. They went to the ABA. So he did, Wally Walker, absolutely uh, a trailblazer in, in many, many uh, senses of the word as he went on to win a national, tie, uh, a national championship with uh, the Portland Trailblazers. And then again with the, with the Sonics and in a matter of three years, uh, he had two championships and went on to become the GM. Uh, president CEO of the Sonics, uh, Seattle Supersonics. So you'll you'll hear about that as well. Successful businessman. He he's basically a guy who has the mindest touch as we talk about. Um, but this is really cool. You're gonna hear him uh, go over his playing playing time, his recruiting. You know that you guys uh, that have listened to our podcast kind of know the routine. Um, but it's it's really incredible to hear from him. Like I, as a kid. I always heard about Wally Walker Wally Walker and you know dreaming of winning an ACC tournament championship and this was the only guy to do it up until Joe Harris so um pretty pretty cool stuff um and obviously um the the photo series will be on YouTube um Dougie Fresh g- gives another extended um extended Mount Rushmore uh with, with Wally and again we obviously thank thank him uh thank the guys having everybody together to to do this again. So I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, make sure you like subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We've added Stitcher. We added a few others. So uh, again, appreciate everyone listening. I, I think we post on Twitter. Uh, we're on pace 50,000 listeners uh, this, this month. So I, like, we don't even know how to thank you for that. That's, that's pretty incredible. Keep enjoying it. Tell your friends um, we, we're, we're doing what we can uh, to keep you guys entertained during this quarantine and this crazy time. And actually Wally touches on, on a little bit. We recorded this one, uh, on Monday, June 1st. So, um, you know, obviously all that's going on in the world, uh, with black lives matter, obviously this is, um, a white guy talking about it, but we know that basketball is a predominantly black sport and he definitely has, um, some, some great things to say on it. So, so listen to that, that's in the, uh, that's in the photo series portion. But again, let us know if you have any questions, concerns or forums, open Twitter Instagram and enjoy. Now joining us, Wally Walker.
1: Thanks so much for coming on.
2: Great to be here. Good to see you, man.
1: We're all really excited. So excited. This is and, amazing. And it, it seems as though like you've had one of the most successful lives I could ever imagine or think about when I talk to people what have you ever had big-time challenges
2: oh yeah uh, but thank you for saying that I, I, I've been very lucky and, and one of the, the, the luckier things I did was choosing uh, UVA because that set me on a course that's led to a lot of other uh, positive things that I had no way of knowing as a 17 year old when I was when I was picking Virginia uh, so that, that's how I summarize uh, you know I was lucky but you know uh, we were talking about a little earlier. I got hurt when I was at Virginia. I, first year freshmen were eligible to play because there was a freshman team. Some people would remember that, uh, so many don't. It was my first year. So I start as a freshman, have a, have a good year. Then I make the US national team. We played the World University Games in 1973. Now, the basketball history buffs remember that's the summer after the US lost in the, the Olympics in basketball for the first time ever. So I'm playing for the USA, and we're playing the World University Games in Moscow. So we anyway, it's a long story, but the bottom line is uh, David Thompson was one of my teammates, a bunch of other ACC guys, Mitch Kupchak, Tom Burleson. We killed the Russians, the same team that that, that had beaten our uh, Olympic team just a year before, and we beat them in Moscow. Wow. Now I come back, I hurt my knee, so I have knee surgery in September when I come back from from Moscow, representing the U.S. And it wasn't quite right still, so I had another knee surgery. Again, right started I had two right before the season, my, my second year. And I was okay I had a decent year, but it wasn't hundred percent. Then I'm getting feeling better uh, towards the end of the season. And I, I hurt the knee again. I had to have my third surgery just nine months later. So I go into my uh, third year, junior year, three knee surgeries. And the knee was so, the leg was so weak and the knee was so swollen. I kept it wrapped 24 seven because it was swollen all the time. They wouldn't let guys play with that now. But then that also coincided with coach Holland getting the the Virginia job. He was coming in as a first year head coach. I had something of a reputation better or worse. And he's coming in saying, this guy isn't really very good. Uh, and I, and I wasn't, I mean, I ended up starting a year, but our team wasn't very good. Uh, and I, man, I took a lot of heat. I took a lot of criticism because expectations were here and I was, I was here. Uh, so that was a real challenge and so there've been subsequent ones, but, in terms of Virginia basketball, that was a, that was a very large one, and of course, I got healthy then for my my fourth year.
1: We'll come back to Virginia basketball and your time during in Charlottesville. While you were growing up in Millersville, Pennsylvania, what set you apart from all the other players there and and across the country? You became a really really high level player and highly touted.
2: Yeah, a couple of things uh, helped me. Besides growing. Uh, uh, my little hometown was a college town uh, where my father taught. It's now called Millersville University, a small state school. It was NAIA back then. Now it's a good Division II basketball program. So I got to go down to the college gym. It was a small town that the college basketball coach at Millersville, his wife was my sixth grade teacher. You know, it was just it was one of those towns where he knew everybody. And so uh, they would let me come and shoot in the gym, although not not at 1st they would, I'd get tossed out. And I got to figure out with a screwdriver, how to get in the gym when, you know, anyway, <laughs> but after a while they let me in without the screwdriver. But then about ninth, tenth grade, before I, I was, I weighed 120 pounds, I go down and hang around the gym with the college guys. And I would hope there'd be an odd number because I was, I wasn't good enough. But if they had an odd number, maybe they'd let me play. And uh, there I was uh, a skinny little white kid from you know, the, the, the local and with the guys I was playing against were mostly inner city guys from Philly who were at the school. And at, after a while, they took me under their wing because I kept showing up. I get my butt kicked and I kept coming back. And they, they took me under my, their wing. And I, I stay in touch with some of them still. Uh, they, they were great to me and they, they taught me a lot. And uh, so I had that advantage for being from where I was from, which was not a basketball uh, hotbed whatsoever. Uh, but the other thing I did do, uh, I worked. Uh, I was in that gym all the time. I, early on i started lifting weights when it wasn't popular for basketball players so i was skinny but i got stronger and i could I, I guess i was a pretty good leaper so combination of you know having facilities guys helping me and i had good coaching too in high school and, and great teammates uh, but also being in that, that, that college town really really uh, helped me
3: in a way that most wouldn't have that advantage were so those guys kind of the, the guys you looked up to in terms of basketball No ESPN then, no networks, no cable, or did you have guys you wanted to be like a John Havlicek or I don't know who else?
2: Yeah, well, my wall at UVA, I I had posters of John Havlicek and Spencer Haywood, both of whom became friends of mine and I played against them. But prior to that, you know, my hometown is about 70 miles west of Philly and about 70 miles north of Baltimore. It's southeastern, south-central Pennsylvania. So we got the local feeds of all those games. Uh, so I'm watching the Sixers, who, who were great when I was in high school, and the Baltimore Bullets back then. The Baltimore Bullets, well, <laughs> before they moved to Washington and changed their name, had Earl the Pearl and Gus Johnson and Wes Unsell Then became a good friend. I uh, worked at his camp, so I, I grew up watching the NBA and uh, I, I could get some ACC games growing up too. But I got to see a lot, a lot of games growing. Up. And people, the, the Big Five back in Philly basketball which we could get on, our, you know, Channel 17 in, in uh, my little hometown. Uh, those guys were all ranked. LaSalle uh, was undefeated. They were on probation, but they were undefeated when I was at junior high school. Penn and Villanova in 1972, my senior high school, both went to the Final Four. St. Joseph's had Mike Bannum, And so I visited all those schools. And, you know, anyway, I, I got to see a lot of great basketball and and uh, really follow the worst of those guys. Ken Durrett, people forgot, it was the fourth pick in the draft from uh, LaSalle. And my high school guys and I would, you know, someone would make a move and everyone would call a scream, dur-ret, dur-ret. <laughs> uh, We had our guys to follow. What age did you start growing? I was, uh, as a freshman, I was 5'10. As a sophomore, 6'2, did not make the varsity. Uh, and again, it wasn't because it was a great basketball area, it was because I was 6'2, weighed <laughs> 140. Now, my area is a really good baseball area. And I was a better baseball player as a sophomore. I made the varsity in a good baseball league. But then I grew between sophomore and junior, 6'5. And even though I didn't know about five star camp, uh, I started getting good. Average 20, our team won the league. And uh, so uh, I was sort of on my way.
1: So, because you grew a little bit later, did you handle the ball a lot more while you were younger? And that helped you? Yeah,
2: Yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. I I had the opportunity and really had to to learn to, to, and of course, back then, 6'5, 6'6 in high school. You know if i was tall early they would have put me in the post and never let me leave and no i got to play in the perimeter and so i developed a, a face-up game in a way that high school guys in that era didn't always get to do
1: yeah at that point what was the best part of your game
2: oh probably shooting i, I you know i had a coach that would you know give me a lot of freedom so i, I would i would shoot from from anywhere and he, again being still the tallest guy uh but i was You know, again, this is where I got lucky. I I was pretty athletic. I could, I could, I could run and jump too, so uh, I I could get open.
0: Yeah.
2: So
1: we we've had Damon Altizer on the podcast. Was that a week ago or so? He was a trainer, big time trainer, and he works out a lot of players at UVA, Mm -hmm. and he works out a ton of kids all over the country. He's a really high level trainer, and we talk about workouts, and I work people out, and Dougie works people out. What was a workout for you like when you were in high school? Was it just going to the park or going to the gym and playing? Or did you ever say, I'm going to take 500 shots a
2: Yeah, the the little gym at the college I've already talked about called Millersville was the hottest place in the country, if not the world. Uh, So in the summer, you would go, and I I had the gym to myself a lot in the summer because it it was so stinking hot, except when we had pickup games. They put a big, there, there was one door, and they put a big fan in there, of course, it wasn't air conditioned. This gym was built in 1927, uh, so there, there, there was a lot of sweat. Uh, but th- then we had a lot of guys like to play. Not the college guys, so we would we would travel. You know, we would go and things weren't organized then like they are now with the AAU. Mark, I know you yeah. coach it, and, uh, so we'd have to find our own games. Uh, but my workouts were a couple hours in the gym, just a lot of shooting, a lot of full court one on one. Did a lot of that, you know, for the ball handling. But then I get into the I get in you now the workout room that. The, my weightlifting weight training uh was going to the universal gym at the college at the football team the football team used the universal gym <laughs> at this little college so that was me but the football coach again this tiny town saw me come in and he said well here's how you do this so he showed me how to work out in the universal gym this is the college football coach, and again i weighed a buck 70 maybe at that point so uh i, I was regular with that and ran the steps and uh I had to read to figure out what it was I want to do for a workout. But uh, no one was in the gym alone than I was I, that that was for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, So then you start getting recruited, right? You weren't heavily recruited your freshman year. You didn't make your team your sophomore year you said, yeah, so, I, didn't,
2: I didn't, I didn't hear from anything other than small schools uh, until the summer before my senior high school. I mean, we start recruiting was later than than it is now, but still, yeah. You know, no one knew about me until Virginia came to see me the, the, that summer, uh, and so then I, you know, I heard from a few others. I visited Wayman Mary and maybe Penn State in the fall, but not none of none of the basketball powers, none of the other uh, ACC schools. So, how did UVA get on you? There was a coach at Lebanon Valley College, which was close by uh, to where I grew up, uh, and actually, they'd won the Division Three championship. It was, I think, my. 1972 my senior year of high school the coach there I was at camp as a counselor at Gettysburg College and we would play at night like you know camp counselors always have done and I was I was pretty good then I was you know uh, so he called up he knew coach Gibson and he knew I wasn't going to Lebanon Valley or Millersville uh, and he called coach Gibson said, you know I think this kid can play so coach Gibson calls home and uh, we'll come up and see you of course coach Gibson people remember was a Pennsylvania guy and ironically, I had gone to his camp, camp Gettysburg, when after my seventh, eighth, and ninth years uh, of junior high. So I knew who Coach Gibson was. Yeah, he didn't know who I I mean, he wouldn't have noticed me, although he claimed he did. when He came to the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, Coach, you did not remember,
3: remember me. Uh, I've but, had my eyes on you for years. Yeah,
2: right. But <laughs> going back to ancient UVA history now, uh, Barry Parkhill went to camp Gettysburg. Gus Gerard went to Camp Gettysburg. Some Pennsylvania guys got their in- introduction to Coach Gibson at, and the university, you know, through that camp. And, by the way, terrible facilities, terrible food, <laughs> right. outdoor course, indoor quarters. One indoor quarters was like a shed, but it had a concrete floor, and we loved it <laughs> There we were.
1: So they find out about you through this – at Gettysburg College, and he has a conversation with, with Gibson. Yep. And then from there, what happened? The recruiting story is fascinating.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, so I we set up a visit. So my parents and I drive down to Charlottesville from Millersville, Pennsylvania. It's about four hours, a little more of a drive through historic. You know, you go through Gettysburg again and come south, and uh, so pretty drive, but you know it takes a while. Have a pleasant visit, and I stay in a dorm room with uh, Dan Bonner, you know, the broadcaster. We call him (laughs) Pins. Do, Uh, and I. I don't know if I stayed on the floor, but it, it wasn't, it, it, it was a luxurious re- recruiting visit. They didn't see me play. They didn't offer me a scholarship. Uh, I was there. The guys were nice to me. I met Barry and Jim Hobgood and all the guys and, and, and Gus and, and Dan Bonner, Gus Gerard, Andrew Benetti were the class above me, uh, Brian Telly and coach at UVA. So they couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> I liked the guys, uh, but again, they still haven't seen me play, so they're not offering me a scholarship. So then I remember Terry Truex was one of the assistant coaches, uh, Chip Connor and Terry Truex were the assistants. And we have a preseason game, uh, my high school and because, you know, they want to see me game. So he comes up to the, 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 the scrimmage. And of course it's not an open scrimmage, but you know, I had 40, and I averaged 33 in my senior in high school. So I, but I, they kept, some, uh, surreptitious stats. I know I had 40. Uh, and coach Trux, I saw him up in the stands because it's a little high school gym and, and the, uh, the scrimmage is over he races down, <laughs> he <comes> down. <laughs> anyway I, that was that was thanksgiving uh weekend it might have been the friday after thanksgiving i got a call monday i got offered a scholarship at uva so they were the first acc school by a long shot and then then word got out as uh, we got in the games and i was doing what i was doing then i started hearing from everybody and was recruited and north carolina ended up being my you know second choice uh yeah you know, it was a good second choice but they didn't, they didn't even see me play until February of my senior year. But then they got on it. Uh, you know, Dean Smith came up many times, and anyway, so my head from going from nobody, and nowhere was was turned by you know all the attention I was getting. So,
3: so how did you that, stay with? You? It, and don't that in in that famous scrimmage game when Virginia ran down. I'm sure they offered you immediately. Although you were obviously scoring 33 a game in high school, which is a, which is nuts. By anyway, did you guys set the pieces up for that scrimmage so you could be? Um, Maybe get a little more shots, or no? Just they didn't have to do that.
2: Fortunately, I, I had good teammates. I I I well, I averaged thirty three, so I mean, I know. exactly. It. Yeah, so I I shot a lot, and uh, I no, I don't know if anybody else knew Coach Truax was there, but maybe my high school coach did. But you know, I I could see him up there.
3: The reason I asked you, I had a similar story when I was being recruited by Stanford, and they came to town, and we in an open gym. They kind of arranged it so I was on the good team, and of course, after the game, Stanford offered somebody else my scholarship so (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have 40 that day I guess all right well
2: yeah you could
3: could have done a better Doug you know I went to grad school at Stanford yes sir of course of course
0: yeah Yeah. I was gonna say what what was your like prior to your visit what was your um, impression of Virginia or or Virginia basketball at that time
2: well you know I tracked some because I'd gone to Camp Gettysburg with coach Gibson Mm-hmm. I had a Virginia t-shirt. I'd bought it there at the, at the camp over the years. So I had a little orientation and I followed the ACC, loved the ACC. And I remember watching the ACC tournament uh, when I think was a big up- upset with NC state and South Carolina might, might've been 71 uh, when South Carolina was top couple of teams in the country and NC state yep. beat them and uh, South Carolina didn't go to the, the NCAAs because of that. Of course, there's a lot of history of that, as we know, in the ACC tournament, but, uh, so anyway, I, from what I knew of the ACC, I, I really liked it, and then the fact that Virginia got in touch with me early and, I, and Coach Gibson, who didn't remember me, but you know, <laughs> but I, I, I thought he was a cool guy from way back, from when I was a junior high guy. So anyway, I, I you know I, I, I certainly wasn't there, but I, I had a positive feeling before you know ever setting foot on the grounds.
1: But now, Dean Smith is coming to your living room. Yeah. And he's coming to your parents, right? Yeah. Was there a bigger coach at the time than Dean Smith? He had to be one of the top guys. John Wooden.
2: John Wooden would I was going to say,
1: other than John Wooden.
2: Who also called. I can remember my high school coach pulling me out of my class and said, John Wooden just called. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Uh, I'd never been to the West Coast. Uh, of course, now I've been out here for 40 plus years. but uh, Right. And anyway, that that didn't go. I wasn't on the West Coast. And they had, anyway, that didn't go anywhere. But he didn't call. But other than, uh, Dean Smith hadn't won a national championship yet. Uh, but... They and actually 1972, my senior year in high school, they went to the final four. So now I'm kind of tracking them, and I don't visit down there until either April or May of my you know, senior year of high school.
1: So then, why UVA over, over UNC? Uh, you had a really rare visit that's that does I've never heard of before. I don't think Dougie's ever heard of it, I don't think T. Dubs has heard of it before. Yeah, it certainly can't happen now or doesn't happen now.
2: No, well. A couple things I'll tell you about the visit, but the fact that Virginia got in early uh, and, you know, did what they did before, you know, I was known to be a, anything uh, was a factor. But the visit you're talking about is the, I granted Virginia, all schools came in for the final visit and it was Notre Dame, and North Carolina, I think Penn and Duke, Chuck Daly was a coach at Penn at that point. Uh, Digger Phelps was at uh, Notre Dame. Uh so but Virginia went last. So my little town, you pull up in front of our house and two cars pulled up. Two big well, why do they need two cars? Coach Gibson was coming and Coach Connor, who also uh saw a lot and really liked. Uh but then all of a sudden, you know, a couple other guys got out of the car. Uh and uh it's Scott McCandlish, who was a fourth year player of Virginia, so no eligibility left. He shows up in my house, and it, but the other guy that I also recognize immediately because I'd met him was the reigning ACC Player of the Year, Barry Parkhill. Barry Parkhill gets travels up to my hometown to pay me a visit, recruiting visit, uh, and at this point, I don't think it's been declared freshman or eligible the next year, so he's coming up just to represent UVA, not knowing we we have a chance to be teammates the following year, which we ended up being, but just because he wanted to be there and wanted to talk to me about, you know, coming to the school he loves. So I'm like, you know, now I've talked to all these coaches, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starstruck by Barry. And of course you, know, you all know, him, what a wonderful guy he is and always was, but right. the reigning ACC player of the year takes a, a day and a night to come up to my hometown to, to see me and hang out and tell me about UVA. So that uh, was over. I was, I was done. That Barry Parker
1: had more influence than Dean Smith. That's pretty no significant. Question. No when,
3: question. When 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 ba- when Barry drives up to your house now, because he's with the VAF, maybe asking for donations. Do you shut? Oh, I, I got to put both hands <laughs> in my wallet now. <laughs> <laughs> Close the shades and. <laughs> uh, did did uh, did Coach Smith have any have any interesting things to say when you when you had to? I know I know it's not easy, telling guys no. But when you decide to go to Virginia, because he was a sneaky trash talker when I played. And I loved him. I, I you know, he, his- he, yeah,
2: that, that was little known, Doug, but you, you're you're right. And he wasn't happy. Uh he, he certainly wasn't used to losing in recruiting battles. Right. He wasn't, really wasn't used to losing to Virginia. Um, and somehow he got in his mind that you know it, it, it had been a setup that we kind of let him along, that I was going to Virginia all along, which I wasn't I was clueless. I didn't know what, what I was gonna do. I was I was so taken aback by all these guys coming to see me that no, i it wasn't set up, but he sort of asserted that with my mother, which that didn't go well that didn't go down well, yeah that's what yeah,
1: so your first two years you get to Charlottesville, right year one you yep. guys are you guys are decent, maybe at best
2: De- decent could have been better we had, we had some talent, but uh, you know the, the league was was really good I mean, we were thirteen and twelve that year, and three of our losses were to NC state, who by the way, that year was undefeated. They were twenty-seven and zero, but they were on probation, so they couldn't go to the NCAA. So, uh, you know, we won at North Carolina. That was the first time since like the Civil War uh, that Virginia had <laughs> won at North Carolina. Uh, so uh, that that was fun. But you know, we should have been better uh, based on our talent. But we, you know, we were fine. we were competitive. You know, uh, and uh,
1: right four uh, and eight okay. in the league, though. Was that four and eight in the league?
2: Yeah, yeah, not great, not yeah. great. Right. Yeah,
1: and yeah. so. Are you thinking at that time, man, should I go to North Carolina?
2: No, not really. I, 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 I love uh, Virginia and Charlottesville from, fr- from the get go. So I knew I was in the right place. It, it felt like home. I grew up in a small college town. I love being in a uh, college town. I love the university. So, uh, you know, there's, there's always something And, and you're, at that point. I'm 18 years old, uh, but it, I never second guessed, uh, being there.
1: What's your relationship with Bill Gibson like like did you did you trust him at this point after you didn't believe that he knew who you were?
2: Yeah, no, no, he he <laughs> was a charming guy uh, he was a fun guy yeah. uh, and, and actually, you know then he he chose to leave after my sophomore year uh, and so when he went to the University of South Florida, you know we were kind of stunned because all of us who were obviously there had been recruited by him. Again, that my, my second year, we weren't very good. Either. In fact, we had a terrible stretch. We lost eight straight games. I mean, we lost eight straight. Uh, and this is with Gus was still there who ended up going to the ABA right after the year he was a talented player. So anyway, it wasn't a, a happy season. Uh, I played okay, but again, I was coming off of two knee surgery, so I certainly wasn't anywhere close to where I, I, I could have been or should have been. So anyway, so we're gonna get a, a, a new coach. And I I like coach Gibson, but he he made his decision. So now we don't know what's going to happen. And uh, Gene Corrigan, you know, who recently passed away, a great man, great AD uh, involved Billy Langlow and I, Billy, uh, some of you remember will know, was a a really good college player for us, my best friend. Uh, He was after his first year, uh, uh, Mr. Corrigan called us to his office and said, you know, here's some of the guys I'm considering. And we've got one of them <laughs> this weekend. Would you, would you, would you guys come in, and talk to him? And we said, yeah, of course we will. So that was, that was coach Holland, Terry Holland. And, uh, he was the only one that actually, uh, uh, Mr. Corrigan introduced us to, uh, and obviously got the job and, uh, it was great for the program. Great for me.
1: Did you ask him questions?
2: Yeah. I don't, I can't tell you what I asked him. Um, Davidson, where he 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 had been or, or was still at that point, had beaten us during the year during our terrible stretch. Uh, I, I know I, I had a bad game against Davidson, so I remember feeling like, if this guy think I can play at all. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he followed enough, though that maybe wasn't a, a normal game. But we our loss to them was really a, a bad loss. So uh, I think that's part of the reason why. Uh, Gene Corrigan looked at him. He had great success Terry had in his five years at at Davidson.
1: Yeah. So you got him your first year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dougie got him his last year, I believe. Right, Dougie.
3: Yep, that's right. He he didn't when he announced that he was leaving. Yeah. And we all came in. He announced early that he was leaving. So yeah, I got his last. Well, year.
2: I was there for his, his final game. Dougie, my uh, We all in Richmond you know, or the
3: final home game. Oh, the final home game. game. Yeah. The one oh yeah. Game. I remember. I remember you there. Yes. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah that what was, was your was relationship kind of special going through with him. Yeah as much as it was awkward. It was a special time. Yeah.
1: What was your relationship with Lake Holland with Holland Lake?
3: Well it started out very rocky
2: uh, because you know he's coming in. Uh, I, he watched us play that spring. I was back to somewhat healthy and, and playing with. So I thought he he figured out maybe I could, could help his team the following year. But then I had another knee surgery. So I had my third one in nine months and now my knee is swollen all the time. I mean, 24 seven, I've got a wrap for the swelling during the season. I go, I leave class once a week to go over to Dr. McHugh's office to have my knee drained. This is, this is during the season. Uh, the, well, and I, no one knows this, but I'll mention it because maybe the statute, statute of limitations run out. I also had mono. I played a season with my knee being drained with a wrap all the time. I had mono. Now, nowadays, uh, they never let anybody play with that, uh, but I did. So, anyway, I, I wasn't that great. Uh, I, you know, I got better at the end of the year. I know I had a good ACC game. when We lost to NC State, defending national champions, the final game. But, anyway, he, he had to impose his system, uh, and, well, he should. He had to change our culture because we were not very good the year before. And, by the way, I think our schedule that year was ranked the second best in the country. We played, you know, at Marquette. You know at west virginia in addition to the acc uh schedule so uh we were around 500 just under uh, but our the final game of that year uh we play nc state in the acc uh tournament the, f- the first round they're the defending national champion david thompson's the player of the year number one pick in the nba draft so we're prohibitive underdogs we're four and eight in the league again although we beat north carolina at home we had beaten them at home uh, so we get down 20 something at a halftime and you know, everyone says, okay, of course we expected this. We came all the way back. Came all the way back in the second half to the point where I had a shot deep in the corner, a good look that I can't remember if it was gonna put us up one or tie it, but it was, it was late in the game, I missed it. Okay, yeah, that, that, w- w- that would have been a, a magical uh, win. We go to the locker room. And we, we're sitting around, okay, our season's over. We're 12 and 13. We came close, but we lost again. And Coach Holland looks around and says, fellas, you, you, you did us proud here tonight. And I want you to look around because uh, we're gonna be back here next year. Only we're gonna win this thing next year. And okay, he said, look around. <laughs> so we look around. We're like, you, coach, he been, he been on the sauce? What, he been, what are you about? We're, we're gonna win the ACC championship? Uh, you know, why would he think that with given what he's seen? Well, my lesson from that is, and I've told the story with him in the audience a couple of times, the power of suggestion, planting that seed. Hey, this is something that I think you guys can do. I think went a long way. You know, we didn't know for a while that seed was going to germinate, but the fact that he planted it a year before when we weren't very good and lost that, that game, like, Hey. This guy, our coach, thinks we got something. Maybe, maybe we do, even if we don't see it at this point. So, uh, uh, coach, there's 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 a little lesson in in in, in positive thinking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just because he was he was a young coach at the time. He was probably early 30s. Early 30s, yeah. He, been,
2: like uh, I think he was 33 or 34 when he got the job at UVA. So, yeah. and that was yeah. his first year with us. And then, and,
1: Dougie, what did you did you what was your experience with him like? Did you was he similar? And his coaching yeah,
3: style he was, uh, he was similar. I mean, he had, he, had a, he had a lot more experience, obviously, by that time. And especially for a guy like me, I thought whatever he said was going to happen, to your point. You know, I thought just because his coach, he was he was so calm. You know, he was a, he was a big-time competitor, but he was such a calm guy in, like, the the meetings or the day-to-day stuff. I mean, you would go after your ass in practice for sure. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I just thought he was kind of one of those legends that I'd seen coaching guys like Wally and – Ralph Sampson, Jeff Jones, et cetera. And so it was what he said. I was like, all right, you know, he's he knows what he's doing, even though I only had him for one year. So I wish so, I could have been more prevalent to the team. So when you, my coach.
0: when you say he had to change the culture and change, you know, what was going on, what did, what did that entail? Because now we're looking at Tony Bennett and, and sort of the – the culture that he's built and the principles he's built on. What, what were some of Terry Holland's and how did he implement those?
2: Well, let me talk, let me talk about that for a second because I talked to Tony uh, shortly after he got the job mm-hmm. at UVA in 09 and we talked about changing the culture. I, I related what coach Holland had done when he came in in 1974 and, and a funny aside, uh, I met Bronco briefly right after he got the job uh, it was at uh, ESPN Game Day. He was there and was so loud we we'll hardly hear each other. But he introduced himself and we talked for all of two minutes. And we talked about, you know, the fact that he was going to try to change the culture. But going back to the question. And by the way, both those guys I think have done a pretty good job of, of changing the culture that they inherited. But Coach Holland did as well. Uh, he started it out by making it so physically demanding for us. You know, he broke us down physically. We did a preseason conditioning program. It was five days a week, and it was the hardest thing anybody ever been through. uh, Where we were just we were on the track, we were running sprints, we were weight training. It was just it was (laughs) really really rigorous, and and that set the tone for, hey, you guys are going to be in great shape. Uh, You're going to work harder than anybody else, and let's see what that takes us.
3: Yeah, no, that, that, thing, that, never, was, that never went away for the record. Those yeah, I, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. <laughs> we, 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 used be, was, we used to be sitting down in front of our dorm at 530 waiting for the rides for the upperclassmen. And we'd see people like us now going for jogs. And we're like, why don't you guys go home and go to sleep? Like, we have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> why would you be out here voluntarily going for a jog? Go back. <laughs> the other thing,
2: he, he imposed, we you know, because we weren't that talented. But we did some decent size uh and we got now iveroni was there now a, as a freshman he, oh, said, nice, nice. he wasn't that big and strong at that point but he he, he 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 had some toughness and he was crazy uh so he said you know we're just going to be physical uh so you know we were going to you know meet every pass we were going to box out we, we did his box out drills Doug. i don't know if he did those forever we, we would do them for an hour uh and, you know it's just we're, we're not going to give up an offensive rebound you know and, and if i give rebound offensive they're they're out of the game so we gonna have a toughness. He did this. We <laughs> had this thing on the free throw line, where we would, you know, if we were inside, we put somebody on the outside too, uh, of the, the opposing player, and he made a say across the lane to the other guy, our teammate, "Okay, pinch him." So, so with the guy was the opponent was in between us, uh, he would hear us say, "Pinch him." So I can remember Mitch Kupchak, who was ACC Player of the Year in my senior year, and you know, still NBA GM. We we're playing at North Carolina; game they beat us at the buzzer, by the way. Down there, then uh, my fourth year, saying, "Hey, hey, hey! They're going to pitch me. They're going to pitch me." <laughs> 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 but the, the point is, it, it, it's it's a cultural thing. It's like, hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna get up on you and you know deal with it. So he he he, he came in and imposed that too.
1: Yeah, but well, wait a minute. So so this. Was Howland the first time that you've ever heard the strategy of pinching somebody during boxing out?
2: Well, it's the first time uh, I think we used the term, but it, but it was also the fact that he made us verbalize it. It wasn't just that we were going to do it. He, he right. made us say it to us every time. We were across the lane. So it'd be I Veroni and I would be across the lane uh, from each other because uh, we had the inside position on free throws and we would say pinch him. And then, and then if it was Dan Bonner it would be on, on the outside. you know, say, So, we were doing it. So now I just remind ourselves, but so the opponents would hear it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So you said you didn't have a great third year, but meanwhile, you scored 16 and a half points a game, which is not, which is yeah, pretty, pretty yeah. really good.
2: Yeah, it was my, I think it was my worst field goal percentage year. I mean, my two years I was healthy. I shot like 55% from the field. So that was more, you know, at a college level who I was when I was healthy. So yeah, I struggled some and, you know, i had some talent uh i did have some talent uh and uh, sometimes it would it would overcome the other things but uh you know sometimes it did
1: what did you do to become much better and in going into your fourth year
2: well i i, I did really work hard you know, getting healthy with the knee i was i was in the, the weight room we had a better one at that point at uva better than universal which uh, actually is all we had when i first <laughs> got there my, my first year too so we had a good one So I was in there all the time and, and really got myself, my body in good shape and much stronger. But I just, just by virtue of, of, of being healthy and being focused. I mean, I, I was so mad about, you know, things that have been said about me when I, w- I knew I was hurt uh, and I had a goal. I mean, I now coach on the planet. we're going to, we're, we're going to be, we're going to win the NACC tournament. And I also wanted to get drafted high. I wanted to be a first round pick in the NBA and, uh, I wasn't projected to be coming off that junior year. So I, you know, I,
3: I was focused. So that my, my question was, at what point did you know you were an NBA player? Like you say, going from a small town, coming to Virginia, finding your yeah, way a little bit? Yeah. Little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. I made it my goal coming out of high school when I
2: said it, which I got ridiculed coming from where I came. So what do you got? No one even went to D1 from where I grew up. Uh, so. You know, they, they made fun of me, but I was on record saying it. And I thought when I got to the, the high school All-Star Games and because I'm playing against now the top high school guys in the country that yeah, yeah. I, I thought I could do it. What type of leader
1: were you to help the team evolve from your third year to your fourth year? Were you a tense? Were you a yeller?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I was a yeller. I, I remember a couple of times I had to say something. Uh, I think I was more by example guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was working and trying to do the right thing and. You know, I, I won the, the sprints most of the time and I won the conditioning stuff most of the time. And, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, doing everything that you need to do to make yourself better and to help the team. So I can remember a few times that I felt like I had to say something. And Ivoroni was a really good player and a and a friend. But also, as I already said, I'll say again, a little crazy. Uh, so <laughs> I, I remember having to, having to verbally uh, go there a few times with him.
1: So you guys go 18 and 12 in the regular season, but you're still four and eight in the ACC.
2: Yeah. Right? We're actually 15 and 11 in, in the regular season. Okay. Yeah, before so, the tournament. And then before the, the, before the four
1: tournament. games, yeah. right.
2: Yeah. The yeah.
1: three games in the ACC. Yeah. So yeah. at that point, going to the ACC tournament, are you thinking Holland's still crazy, or do you think you guys are have a chance?
2: <laughs> well, a, a couple things were going on. One, we, we had really improved throughout the year. Now, I, I'm a senior, Billy Langlow's junior, third year. Otherwise, it's Ivory and Kesters, you know, sophomores, and then we have – we're playing first years. Uh, so we're young, but we got better. And late in the year, we had even – you know, we we beaten – Virginia Tech was ranked. It was the last regular season game. We beat them in overtime at home. North Carolina beat us at the buzzer down there where we had led late. Uh, so we were playing everyone really well and, you know, winning some games. But, not, you know, we have four league wins, so we're not you know, exactly – think we're a dominant team or why should we win three in the ACC tournament but the other thing that happened which uh, coach Holland uh, being uh, you know, a smart motivator that he was I didn't make first team all ACC well if you look at my numbers you will going how's that possible uh, so in my ACC numbers league numbers were much higher than my overall numbers so uh, I but I didn't so coach Holland and I called the team together and whether anybody else cared or not I don't know but he did say it. He said, "Well, the only way we can uh, make amends for you know th- this is wrong is for us to win the, the ACC tournament while he be the MVP." He said that. So I don't know whether so, yeah. helped the other guys or not. But we, the net of all that was, we were more confident than a four and eight team normally would be going into a play against three nationally ranked teams.
3: Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. a lot of fun. Yeah, sure, sure. And Where was the that? Tournament? Where was the ACC tournament that year?
2: Capital Center, the, the now okay. demolished Cap Center. You know, it was the first time ever the, the tournament had been outside of state of North Carolina. Right,
1: and yeah, giving always giving one of the teams from North Carolina, it's a huge advantage right. to be able huge to have crowd. And
2: oh, of course, yeah, yeah. but now we're playing in Maryland's backyard, and Maryland was the number eight ranked team in the country. Uh, we beat them in the semifinals, and Lefty was on record as saying, "Now we playing, we're playing North Carolina in the finals." And now the NCAA has changed the rules a little bit. Two teams can go from a conference instead of just one. So Lefty's on record as saying, it'll be the first time I've ever cheered for North Carolina in my life. Because <laughs> 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 obviously if we, if we win, yeah, we yeah, go, and North Carolina goes, and that's it,
1: what happened. Yeah. Was that, that had to be one of the greatest accomplishments in your life?
2: Yeah, At yeah. At least I mean, time. It was so emotional. I mean, again, coming from where we came from, where Virginia never won the uh, conference championship in football and basketball at that point. And I can still, we, we have the game basically won, but uh, it's either Bobby Stokes or Bill Langer shooting free throws. And, you know, I'm, I'm at the other end and I can look around, you know, the, the cap center and, and I can see the faces, because now the Virginia faithful have moved down close to the court to the degree they could. And you look around and just to see those faces, uh, I know how I was feeling, but just to see the beaming, because people have been there. Uh, Doug, they've still been around when you were playing, but uh, right. they were there for many years before I got there that yep. had never experienced anything like this. And to see the looks in their faces, some weeping, uh, yeah, uh, I'll never forget it.
1: I was on the phone. I was in a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago, or last Monday maybe even, with a guy named Greg Ledford, who's a big UVA booster. I don't know if you know him or not. He's out in California, Southern California, close to you. And he re- talked about how important and how much that game meant to him for, the, for UVA to win that ACC tournament for the first time. And he was there. said so it was, if not the greatest moment in his life, it was one of the greatest moments of his life. And sometimes players don't understand yeah, how valuable true. they it's are to, 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 the, to the entire city, to the entire campus. What, well, we always
2: think. You know, we always have another game. And even, even like the end of my career, right, my MBA career, eighth year when I wasn't playing, yeah, you know, I still thought I was better than three quarters of the guys. I was wrong, but I still, you know, I'll keep playing. But that one, I knew the emotion. But for somebody to say that after all these years, wow, you know, like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe we did something. Maybe I helped uh, helped us do something.
1: Yeah, and helped a lot of the people too.
2: Well, like the impact I, you I do guys know that, have. For then Jeff uh, Lamp and Lee, Lee Raker to come a couple years later and Ralph after that, it did feel like you know, the program uh, you know went from there. And, and Doug
3: Smith after that, for heaven's sakes. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. We, kept, we kept it going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that, 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 that's an amazing thing because we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, but talking about us in the Final Four last year and you, we were all out there at the Loom Cafe hanging out in the end yeah. of the game. But I mean... I 100% felt like I was part of the, the national championship yeah. team. And so, well, you know, and Tony's done a great
2: job with we alums too and making us feel like we're still you know, on a team, part of a family too. So, yeah. uh, kudos to him on all levels, but that, that's been important.
0: Yeah.
1: When At that time, when were agents starting to contact players?
2: Uh, well, all the time if they thought they were good enough. But for me, I, I wasn't hearing from them until my senior year. Um, so I, I heard from a couple guys and there was, there was an agent that had represented our previous Virginia guys, specifically Gus Gerard and Barry Parkhill, who I knew and liked. Uh, but then a guy came in and went to UVA law school, uh, named Donald Dell, uh, who, who was a big tennis agent, started representing NBA guys and I ended up uh, going with him. So that, you know, his his firm was a law firm at the time would turn into ProServe. uh, which was and was David Falk doing the basketball representation, which mm. represented Ewing and Jordan, and had a little less leverage with me than uh, those guys, but uh, they they did a great job for their clients.
1: But did, were you contacted at the beginning of your
2: first, your fourth year, or no, midway? Or? Not, no, I wasn't. Not till I well, let, let me go back a step. Uh, I had I got actually insurance uh, for my my fourth year, which wasn't as common then uh but got some help from an agent in in acquiring the the insurance in case i had a career-ending injury Uh, and the money wasn't that big the insurance wasn't that much and it wasn't that expensive Uh, but in in those days it wasn't like you could get an advance against your mba money which uh, i I believe is what guys do now it was my parents saying okay we think we can do this my dad's a teacher you know Uh, (laughs) but you know they they did it
1: well now the schools take out the policy
2: that's okay at okay. least for
1: the for a certain amount. And then if you want additional insurance, uh, you can do did, that as well. Did Ty have
2: some his last year? He did. Yeah, yeah. good. That's smart. Yeah, he did.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, it, and it goes by, I think it goes by, or it's determined by the intel from the NBA. Yeah. And and that's how, it, it's the, that's the barometer that's used
2: to well, measure. Well, what happened was problematic before the school started doing that with the current system was agents were paying for players insurance and paying for other things too. I, I, I'm the general manager of the Sonics and I can remember getting a call from more than one agent saying, hey, you know, you need to guarantee this amount on it for like a second round pick or you didn't even normally guarantee their money because I'm into this kid already for 65,000 wow. bucks, whatever it was. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't care how much you're into the kid, you know. Uh, right. that's, that's my that job. Do it, with you. it has nothing to do with that. Uh, but that was that was the mindset you know the agents were seriously illegally you know floating the money to pay for those kind of things
0: so at this point with barry and, and aba i guess gus at this point as well like how yes. much did you lean on them for advice in terms of um your your pro career
2: well i mean those guys were good friends and i i liked and trusted them uh, but for a lot of reasons because uh, you know, and they had Norman Blast was, was the agent's name and they liked him and they recommended him. Uh, but I just, you know, with Donald Dell being up the road in DC and the, and the UVA connection with law school as were a couple of his law partners, uh, Lee Fentress and, and, and uh, Frank Craig Hill, I don't know, just, just felt right. And he had, he had the still to Charlottesville and I got to know those people. So, uh, I I went a different route.
1: Yeah. Well, as, as I said earlier, I <laughs> It seems like everything you got into was extremely successful, right? You win the ACC tournament, 75, 76, right? Yeah. First year in the NBA, you win a title. Your second year, as you said earlier, game seven, you guys lose game seven when you're supposed to win at home, right? And then you still throw your parade. And your third year, you win an NBA title. Are you thinking like, this is the greatest life ever?
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, totally spoiled. By the way, I, I know it's I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, and it's kind of gone incredibly well. I mean, some so people you win titles to your first three years in the NBA in different cities. I mean, come on, the, the, right. the list of guys that have done that, by the way, in the NBA, you go you go through them not to their first three years, but just winning NBA titles with, with different teams. They're almost all in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm not, uh, so you know, I I, I was forced to be with, with, with great teams in great cities. Uh, and Portland, we won it my rookie year, had never made the playoffs. So we got a team that's never in the playoffs, and all of a sudden we win our first playoff series like, hey, you know, okay, we won a playoff series. Then we play the Lakers, who we lost who we only beaten once in a regular season, have Kareem. People have forgotten how good Kareem was in his prime because we got Bill Walton. We got a healthy Bill Walton. Okay, everyone knows how good Bill Walton was. All right. Uh Kareem used to kill him we 've got to call a blazer reunion call coming up Wednesday that, that, that may come up again uh, <laughs> Lakers, Absolutely. Uh, yeah not everyone's remembered it quite as clearly as some of his teammates have uh, but anyway so now we're just like you do you play the next game and the next game we, we think we're good but we then we played the 76ers in the finals that's Julius Irving and George McGinnis and Doug Collins and Jellybean Joe Bryant, who is my friend from high school was Kobe's dad and world be free and they're prohibitive favors. And we lose the first two games We, we, we and one of them got killed. So we got to win. We win the next four games and win the championship to be, you know, the NBA title winner in 77. So again, you just, you're there, you're playing the games and, you know, maybe we can do this, but, uh, you know, as long as we're here, why don't, why don't we go ahead and try to do
1: it? Well, you're down to, zip it to Philly? How, how did you guys win? How'd you turn it around?
2: You know, uh, it it was, again, one of the great psychological situations uh, I've seen in, in, in all my years. Uh, we had Maurice Lucas uh, as our power forward, Maurice Lucas played in that on the team I went to in Russia where we beat the Russians in uh, 1973. So he and I are old friends. He's a Pennsylvania guy, Pittsburgh guy, and the enforcer. Well, he had a bit of a, a little bit of a con in him. Game two in Philly, he does, you know, this is not a con, this is an actual fight. Uh, Back when the NBA, when guys weren't just talking and pointing and, you know, acting tough, there were actual fights. Well, he got in a fight in game two with Daryl Dawkins. You guys remember Daryl Dawkins? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, How big he was? Dr. Thunder, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Thunder. So, you talk about a heavyweight fight. That was a heavyweight fight. Uh, That's it. That's during the game. So, you know, Luke and Dawkins are out. They end up winning the game. We're down 2-0. So, now we're coming back to Portland and we're down 2-0 and it's a, national televised game obviously on a sunday and what's going to happen what's going to happen after this huge fight so luke doesn't tell anybody goes out to introduction in portland it's a one horse one team town we're the only professional so the place is going crazy as you would expect as any game in the final it does but luke goes out to the midcourt for his introduction makes a right hand turn and goes over to the philly bench and shakes it. Daryl Dawkins hand for all the world to see without anybody knowing he was going to do it. Well, we're looking down because we don't know he's going to everyone's surprised at, at, at the act. And, and Philly's bench had a, a really interesting reaction. They, they were deflated. They were like, he's taking the edge off, you right. know, you know, he's taking the high road. He's he's the good guy. He, you know, he's 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 coming in on a white horse here and like. Uh, so and then, then Luke went back and you know got back and, and the place went crazy and, and and Philly had a whole different kind of re- reaction, you know. You, you, by the way, you still do to play and win the games, but we won the next four games and it was like I think I think it was it was a turning point. Uh, you
3: know, fascinating. So did you, you had to beat them in the seventh in the seventh game in the Spectrum? No, that, that we won the next four games. Uh, right. Oh, you went.
2: So yeah. But let me tell you a story. We had to beat them in game five. We win it next to in Portland. Yeah. Uh, I, I had 10 points in one of those games now. I had 10 points in a, in a finals yeah, game it uh, against the, six, the Sixers. I was nine for 12 in that final series. You can look it up. Uh, yeah, I didn't play that much, but I made them. Didn't I shoot made him them. Yeah. Uh, so now we it's 2 2. We got to go back to we play a Friday night game in the Spectrum. It, it, it's yep. a great, great game. Uh, it's a close game. Uh, we obviously win it. So now we're playing. Game six in Portland, uh, it's, it might be noon, but it's early afternoon on Sunday. We choose to, to we have a charter, uh, not a luxurious one, but we, we fly back. We got to stop and refuel. <laughs> uh, we arrive at Portland at five in the morning on Saturday morning uh, after playing Friday night with a game the next day. Okay, you know, that's going to be a short night. We got to get a little practice in before our, our Sunday game. But guess what? There are 5,000 people at the airport. Oh man. Yeah. So we got in those days we're driving. Well, I wasn't. Uh, so the coach Jack the Hall of Fame coach, Philly guy, great guy uh, says, you, you know, to me, you, you need to ride home. I, yeah, I need to ride home. Well, w- we can't get to his car. And then when we get to his car. All the fans are in the, in the parking lot now. Uh, we we can't get out. There's a traffic jam. And, and of course, you know I don't, they don't care about me. But Coach Ramsey, they want, they all want to talk. <laughs> so I'm I, I walk in my my apartment at, at 6:30 in the morning. You know everyone's got a few hours sleep. So we anyway, Philly didn't come in till the next day, so they got a little sleep. So then we got to play this game. You know after with no sleep, and, uh, and we all in theory slept on Saturday night. But we win another great great game, close game, game six, and uh, place went nuts.
1: So you, before that season, you were drafted fifth, right? Yes. Your yeah. rookie year, you're not playing that much.
2: No, not, not that much. In, in spurts and, uh, yeah, that, that's right. I, I was intermittent player.
1: What was your mindset at the time? How were you emotionally?
2: Yeah, I was fine. I mean, I was a fifth pick, so I, I went there thinking I was going to play more. Uh, but the reality is the team got off to a really good start uh, with – out me being, you know, a, a starter or, you know, playing significant minutes. I was playing some. I think I played 66 of the game. played like 600 minutes per season. So that's not a lot. But you know, I was I was in most games. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we just start, we started out, you know, very hot and and the chemistry was so good that, you know, there was no reason for the, the coach to, to change it. One of the lessons I, I just talked about this, uh, Mark, you never talk about it. Jack Ramsey. Uh, The the Hall of Fame coach, uh, we played a mini-series against the Chicago Bulls, three-game series. We win the first game at home. They win the second game in Chicago. Portland's never won a a playoff series in its history. Jack says to me before game three in in Portland, uh, you're going to get ready. We're going to use you today. We we need your minutes. We're not as happy with the uh, other guy uh, playing. Uh, So, great coach. Yeah, put me in. So, the game comes and goes. We win it, obviously. I never take my warm-ups off. I didn't, I didn't play at all. Uh, so we went to the locker room afterwards. Everyone's a brilliant because we just won the first playoff series ever. But in front of everybody, Jack Ramsey points to me who haven't, hasn't played a, a second in the game and said in front of all the guys, you okay? I said, yeah, coach. Great. We won the, the, the series. And he says, the other guy says, you know, I told him he was going to get some minutes and, and it didn't work out. So I just want you guys to know, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's what happened. That's why I said it. So I'm like, Wow, okay, maybe now I, he wasn't a Hall of Fame then, but now I kind of know why he was. He was a great communicator.
1: Right, which one of my, as you know, (laughs) a lot of people know, one of my criticisms or one of my frustrations with the NBA, a lot of the NBA coaches now, from what I understand, like there's a real lack of communication, which you would imagine is such a key ingredient to being such a success in in a million or multi million, not very multi million dollar company.
2: Do you guys want to hear a Bill Russell, Red Arbox story? Going back. Absolutely.
0: That was part one of the Wally Walker podcast. Um, We'll we'll have part two up tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe, like, and we'll we'll catch you with tomorrow's photo series. We've got some of his uh, NBA career, um, and as well as um, a little bit of the – um UMBC ACC championship stuff. So I think, I think you guys are gonna like that. Plus plus Mount Rushmore. so you gotta hear this one.
2: And she fakes the pass and sends it down with a Tomahawk slam. here the the all the class counted in, in one, two.